Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside, for the first time in a little while, from brewhoop.com, Mitchell Maurer. And for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar, go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And I tell you what, I think the Bucks could probably use a few Built Bars and they probably could have used a few Built Bars at halftime, I reckon, because they went down to the Houston Rockets. That's right. They lost to the Houston Rockets. If you are just tuning into this podcast because you were watching the NFL draft all night last night and you didn't see the scores, uh, I am not lying to you. The Bucks lost 143 to 136. It was, or it is, what can only be described as an embarrassing loss, Mitchell. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush here with this one. I mean, we were both watching the Milwaukee broadcast. And I understand they have to put a bit of a spin on it. That's their job. But the amount of times they mentioned Giannis tonight, who did leave the game in the first minute with a right ankle sprain, I was like, come on, guys. We are playing the Houston freaking Rockets. I've got the injury list in front of me. Sterling Brown didn't play. Dante Exum didn't play. Eric Gordon didn't play. Dave Nwaba didn't play. You can keep going and going. John Wall is out for the season. The, the list is absolutely endless with that team. Who cares if Giannis didn't play? This is pretty, pretty much flat-out embarrassing. Yeah, basically. Uh, there's not really a good reason why this Bucks team without Giannis wouldn't be able to handle the Houston Rockets as currently constructed. And, and let's not take too much credit away from the Rockets because they do have some talented players. Old friend Christian Wood, uh, one-time Buck, sort of, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Both had excellent evenings. But they just – I think they were even going to this game – they didn't really care all that much. You know, they, they just got over beating the Sixers twice. And we all know that they have uh, a two-game set against the Brooklyn Nets coming up very shortly. And so they're kind of at a lull in the schedule. You know, there's a lot of games packed closely together to close out the season. And the instant that Giannis goes down in that first minute – I can I, You can kind of tell that everybody is like, okay, maybe maybe this is one where we just, uh, you know, go through the motions. In the first half, everything was fine, but they just didn't really try. And you know, neither team was putting up much resistance on defense, <laughs> and uh, they just they let Houston get hot, and Houston stayed hot, and that was that just turned out to be the story. That the, the most frustrating thing about it is that. Drew Holiday especially, like, decided to show up in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter. I think he, he like, retook the lead by himself with, like, a like – a, like, I don't even know how many points he scored in a row for Milwaukee. But they regained control of the game, and then they just gave it back again. And they didn't, they didn't, like, close it out the way that this team has historically closed games out. And, you know, that's – Embarrassing is a totally fair way to put it. Um, 
I, I, I'm more than ready to move on from it. And, you know, hopefully they get out of their system. I don't know if that's a thing in this season, but uh, it sure would be nice if we never had this sort of effort again. Yeah, I don't think you even need to think about this one after tonight. And, and clearly for Milwaukee, they don't have too much time to think about it anyway. They've got the Bulls coming up uh, on a back-to-back here. So I'm sure that they won't spend a lot of time on this one. But yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you pointed out that this was an effort-related thing because... You know, naturally, the knee-jerk reaction is to look at the box score in this one, look at all the threes that were hit, and Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood in particular combined for 15. But the team overall, it's 25 for Houston, which is obviously just an insane yeah. number. But I don't think that, you know, and again, the, the knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, you know, the Bucks defense, terrible, they suck, this is that. No, this was a game that even when the Bucks were winning by double digits in the second quarter, you could tell that they really weren't even interested in playing basketball. They weren't interested in playing defense tonight. And that was really what set the Rockets off because the challenge or the trap that you can fall into in a game like this is that if the other team does get hot, then it can get to a point where the game could slip away for you. And this is clearly what happened in this one because I will say this, as much as I thought that it was the Bucks' fault that the Rockets were allowed to get back into this game because it clearly was that the the defense overall was was pretty terrible. I do think once they got to a point where, you know, particularly Wood and Porter Jr., I mean, they were hitting some pretty mm-hmm. damn tough shots. I mean, they were really, really feeling it in the second half. And again, that the blame for that falls to the Bucks. But this isn't the Bucks getting scorched by the Utah Jazz for 20-plus threes. No, this was a game where the Bucks thought that they could sleepwalk through this, beat a terrible Houston team. And honestly, they got what they deserved. They got what they deserved. If you show up like that, there is a chance that you're going to get embarrassed. And they did do that tonight. And overall, it doesn't really mean a lot in terms of the standings. Clearly, the big storyline out of this is Giannis and nothing else really matters. The Bucs aren't going to move. They're going to stay in third. We've accepted that. But nonetheless, don't lose to the Rockets. You still should not lose to the Rockets. When you've got Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Chris Milton, those players out on the floor, you get a 6 for 10 shooting night from Bryn Forbes. You just, you, you can't be losing that game. No, no, you can't. And, you know, I think that a lot of this, especially late in the game, Kevin Porter Jr. just, like, he was already all the way heated up. And, he like, he scored 50 points tonight because he hit nine threes and was nine for 11 from the free throw line. So he got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of his shots dropped and he ended up getting a lot of easy points. And that's what kind of fueled his night. And, you know, on some of those, like, there's not, there's nothing you can do about it. I think I saw one tweet from Eric on, on a setback three that Porter Jr. hit where, like, he was pretty sure that Holiday fouled him, but he's made the shot anyway. And you're going to have that happen every so often with guys that have that kind of talent. But you also look at Kelly Olynyk hit three threes. Old friend DJ Wilson hit three threes. And Olynyk and Wilson combined for 25 rebounds, nearly half of Houston's rebounding total. And just the fight just wasn't there. It just simply wasn't there. And the Bucks did do a couple of different things. Like they 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 switched. They went to zone for a little bit. The zone actually was somewhat effective. Um, they, you know, they ended up creating, or the, rather, the Rockets committed eighteen turnovers compared to only fourteen for the Bucks. And so, like you you, you had those built-in advantages, and to and to still lose the game when you you know you're plus four on turnovers. You, you hit 41% from three yourself. You only missed three free throws, which, you know, be honest, didn't play. So shooting 88% from the line, you know, is, is more likely when that happens. 
they just they didn't they didn't they didn't try consistently. And and the por- parts of the, the game where they did and they were executing and they were following through on stuff, they had a lead. And there was just more minutes of the game where they didn't do that. And that's what opened the door for Houston, who who is a bad team overall, but they're still a professional team to take the lead late and keep it. And that was it. I don't know if you're a betting man, Mitchell, but if you are and you headed over to our friends at betonline.ag, uh, I hope you wouldn't have or no one would have put money on the bucks tonight because uh, uh, I'm not a betting man, but when you have a red hot favorite like that, it's, it's just, it's always fraught with danger. But anyway, a quick note about betonline.ag baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online this week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the triple crown begins this weekend before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So as I mentioned right off the top, the Bucks do have a back-to-back here. So they're going to be playing an 8 p.m. Central game, late tip on a Friday night in Chicago. So they'll be jumping straight yeah. on the plane here. Um, yeah, I can, I can hear that you're thrilled about the later game there against the Bulls who have been struggling themselves. But this is obviously significant when we look at, again, the big takeaway from this game with Giannis going down. Uh, I would suspect that he's he's not going to play in this game. That would be my suspicion, given the fact they didn't bring him back on. But this is really interesting to me because Milwaukee now uh, on the season, they've got 10 games left in the regular season. And we, we've said this the whole time, that the Bucks came into this season with the plan to have the guys playing more minutes, have them, in theory, more physically prepared to play 38, 39, 40 minutes in a playoff game. Now, that is always contingent on having some good luck with health. And tonight, I thought, was a prime example of the difficult situation that you're in if you're a team like Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. They're sort of jostling for the number one seed. The Bucks are kind of out of that. They're sort of just sitting there in no man's land. You play a team like Houston. Giannis is on the injury report with a right ankle sprain, which uh, was kind of obscure, but you know, seemingly happened in the game against Charlotte. You know, I, I don't know whether that specifically meant that this sprain you know, hurt him more. I mean, we're not going to be able to judge that. But what we do know in general with injuries and also with Giannis, we've seen before, if you do have some sort of compromised joint or in this situation, the ankle, and you come into a game, it does make you more susceptible to these types of injuries. Now, he went down in the first yeah. minute of the game in what is a, a pretty routine Eurostep move for Giannis. Unfortunately, of course, it had to be Kelly Olenek who was the defender who had to be. I mean, he he didn't required. Actually, yeah, I mean, he didn't actually do anything wrong on this play, but the fact that it's Kelly Olenek, you're just like, oh my god, it had to be this guy of all people. So Giannis goes out, but I guess the big question is, and the talking point coming out of this, should he have played at all? If he's on the injury report, do you just not bother? And how do you balance now? Because you can seriously make the case that 
if the Bucks wanted to put everyone in cotton wool for the rest of the regular season, then they probably should do that to avoid injury. Accidents happen, but this is just a really tough situation they find themselves in with 10 games to go. Yeah, and, and honestly, this is I know that the last couple of times I've come on the pod, I've brought up the fact that the schedule is extremely condensed compared to seasons past. And even though teams are traveling and everybody's playing in their home stadiums and we have some fans in the building, like it's still very much not a normal scenario. And as a result, injuries are on the rise. I know there was a couple of weeks ago where I, I, there was some uh, media going around about just the, the fact that the league is noticing that different franchises are making an effort to raise awareness with the league about the types of injuries that are happening. And, you know, the Bucks overall had been pretty lucky when it comes to health and availability for everybody. You know, Drew Holiday had, you know, his, his absence due to COVID. Uh, and that's, you know, that, the fact that he's back at it as good as he ever was is, you know, really, really a blessing for the team. And then, you know, Giannis had his knee injury. And he was back and forth and back and forth in the lineup. And it seemed like he was back to normal. I'm starting to wonder if there is something going on with Giannis that we're simply not aware of, which is, you know, probably the norm. You could probably say that about most people in almost any year, but like you think back, like you heard, you know, he hurt his knee and he was in and out of the lineup for a while. And he took some time off and came back and then he has this ankle thing. But even before the ankle thing, which like you said, maybe happened against Charlotte, but remember the overtime period against Phoenix when he picked up something it, like it turned out like looked a lot like a cramp and he just didn't come back in overtime. I wonder if we look back at that sequence and there was something that happened with his ankle then that, you know, it, it turned out to be an aggravation and then he, you know, re-aggravated it by stepping on somebody today. And like that could, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional in the, in the slightest sense. Like, but what is up with it? Because if something is up with it, like you can kiss the team's title hopes goodbye. Because as good as this team should be, you know, considering they lost to the Houston Rockets of all teams, but as good as the team should be with the players that are around him, like they're still not going to go anywhere without him at a hundred percent. Like he has to be not just available for the playoffs; he has to be the guy who won two consecutive MVPs for the playoffs. He has to be at the height of his powers. And right now, it seems like he's anything but that because of his physical status. And that's really concerning. I think what we do know about Giannis from games gone by and years gone by is the fact that, as you point to, I mean, I would not be surprised if he's still got some lingering knee soreness, some lingering ankle soreness. Clearly, he's got that tonight. And whatever else it is. Like, I mean, he's just the way that he plays, the physicality that he plays with, it's just going to be there. And and he's not going to be 100%. And I think that we, we can accept that and understand that that's going to be the case. And the one thing that he has been able to do right throughout his career in the game, I always go back to his game five last year against Miami, one of the most incredible performances, honestly, I I can remember for a guy that was clearly very, very sore and probably should not have been playing to have 18 points in the 12 minutes or whatever it was that he played in that game before he went down was just absolutely extraordinary. So you know that he's capable of doing these things. And as you pointed to, maybe he's not 100%, but he's still going to go out there and get you 30 and 10. We've seen that in games that have gone by recently. But this, this is just in general for me, the scary thing about watching Giannis play because what we do know is that he goes 110% all the time. 
And I guarantee you, if he was playing tonight, the Bucs wouldn't have lost this game because his effort and energy alone would have been enough to lift this team to a win because that's, that's the way he plays. He literally does not take nights off like the rest of his teammates did tonight. But Giannis, again, is scary because I think back to the game against Atlanta last week where the Bucs were clearly out of the game. They weren't going to win in the final seconds there. And Giannis is just going crazy. Duncan trying to throw down on people, trying to get into the paint. And, there's, and, and the scary thing about that is that there's so many bodies, there's so many legs. It's so easy for him to step on someone's shoe. So this is just the nature of Giannis and, and watching a team and following a team that he's a part of. But again, you do always have to hold your breath. And we said it right at the start of the season. This was always going to be uh, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because everyone wants Giannis to play more. They wanted his minutes to be up. They wanted him to be in a position where they felt he was physically more prepared for the postseason. But a, a result of that is that you're going to have to have him out on the floors, uh, out on the floor in moments that you probably don't want him to. And I'm not saying 46 seconds into the game tonight was necessarily the case, but you know, it's just a shame. And it's always scary when you see him go down. It did look like it was probably on the minor end of things. Clearly, they're going to be um, taking every precaution with him as well. But we, we just have our fingers crossed with him because as you pointed to, and like whatever, I mean, we saw it tonight. They lost this game against Houston. But in general, if you have any hopes of doing anything in the postseason, it starts and ends with him. And before I, I give another quick note here about uh, Bilt Bar Mitchell, I, I have to point out while we wrap up the Giannis chat here, I'm looking at the box score, and it's a sad state of affairs. 46 seconds. No field goal attempts. Mm-hmm. And that's not good because this qualifies as a game. And our mm-hmm. great friend, Frank Madden. What's the old saying? He threw the toys, threw the toys out with the bathwater or, or whatever the saying is. I'm not 100% sure, but that was Frank. I, I mean, the, the, the saying is actually you throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it really right. should be toys. Because who throws out a baby? Yeah, that's a little bit aggressive. I actually don't want to use that phrase. But anyway, you can all understand what I'm trying to say here. And that was Frank. There was probably tears. There was probably a tantrum. His daughter was probably looking at him embarrassed at the way that he was behaving. But that's why Frank's not here tonight, because this was very bad news for Giannis's per-game stats. This is counted as a game. He only played 46 minutes. Uh, not good at all. And we know that uh, Frank is a self-proclaimed uh, stat lover when it comes to a stat whore. I think he's used those words when it comes to Giannis. This is a, a he, bad... He has said that, yes. Yes, it, it's, it's a bad, bad night for him. So that's, that's a real shame. Uh, what I will say is uh, plus three Giannis, incredible, in a game that you lose. So shout out to him for that. But let's get to Bill Bar yep. now, the best tasted protein bar uh, that's ever been made. Uh, we have to be a little bit silly here tonight. So Bill Bar, as you know, endless amounts of delicious flavors that they have on builtbar.com you can check them all out again my favorite the coconut brownie chunk you have to get that that's there for a limited time only right now so make sure you check that out shout out to listener josie who did say that uh, she, she's heard me talking about built bars so much that she ordered some herself so be like josie order some built bars the bars are covered in 100 percent chocolate they're soft and easy to chew and they're great for the health conscious guy or girl because they're low calorie low sugar high protein and high fiber. The deal we've got for you is pretty damn good. Use the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So we probably have overlooked 
the individual performance. And we obviously mentioned it. And we know they play for the opposition team. But we can always tie things back to the Bucks, Mitchell. So Kevin Porter Jr. this, mor- uh, this afternoon, this morning. When, I don't, look, it was this morning for me, okay? But whenever you're watching this game, Kevin Porter Jr. had 50 points, 11 assists, 9 for 15 from 3, 16 for 26 from the field overall. But 50 points, clearly an incredible performance. And in doing so, and he's only 20 years old, by the way. So in doing so wow. at that age and having a insane performance like that, Kevin Porter Jr. became the fourth player in NBA history to have a 50-point game before turning 21. The other three players to do this, LeBron James, he did it twice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a pretty handy player. Devin Booker, he did this. While yeah, on his way, Phoenix Suns just clinched a playoff spot yesterday. The Devin Booker's well on his way as well. All-star player. Probably going to... You know, I mean, who knows where he could end up, but he's sensational. The other guy? <gasps> Brandon Jennings. 55 points. Versus the oh, Brandon. man. The double nickel game. It all, it all comes back. It all comes back around. Well, that's, a, that's a fun blast from the past. And meanwhile, meanwhile we've got his, uh, his draft mate, Jeff Teague, on the roster, on the court tonight for Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, a small world. I, and, you know, to be fair, I mean, if Kevin Porter Jr. was having a crack, then he would have scored 55 like Brandon Jennings in that game. So, uh, <laughs> come on, Kevin. Um, at, least, at least have a go there. But, you know, overall... For the Bucks now, like I said, they got this game against Chicago tomorrow. I think we're all still focusing on these games against the Nets coming up here. The one thing that, yeah. that stood out to me, and, and I, again, I, I just wanted to point uh, to the defense as we look to sort of wrap up this part. I, I think it's fair to say it's, it's okay if this one's a little bit shorter than usual. But you know, defensively, the talking points are going to continually be the Bucks' defense. They're switching and... Uh, let's be honest, at times, the miscommunications. And there was some miscommunications tonight. Clearly, when you have don't have Giannis out there, again, what you legitimately take from it and what you think you're going to see in the postseason, you know, it's, it's up to you how seriously you want to take that. I'm the type of guy that all season long, unless the best lineup has been out on the floor, I've said, okay, let's see what we've got. But I can't look at this as in this is what we're going to see in the postseason. This is how we're going to translate. But certainly Brook Lopez was out on the floor a lot tonight. He played 30 minutes. There was a couple of occasions where he did get switched on to Kevin Porter Jr. And look, to be fair, if you go back and watch a couple of those threes, you can question that in the first place where Brook Lopez should have been A, playing in some of those smaller lineups or B, switching on to Porter Jr. In the first place, there was one possession in particular where he switched with PJ Tucker and it's like, okay, well, if PJ Tucker's on the floor, why doesn't he just stay on Kevin Porter Jr.? So I I totally get that. But again, to me, overall, the trends are telling me, and I read out the stats from the Kevin O'Connor article uh, last week on the podcast, the trends are telling us that the miscommunications have been fewer the longer the season has gone on and the Bucs have switched, the more the season has gone on. Now, it doesn't mean that the Bucs aren't going to have breakdowns. It doesn't mean that there's going to be miscommunications, but the sample size overall, and forget, again, again, forget a night like this against the stinking Houston Rockets. Forget a night like this. But overall, I still think that we've seen the Bucs trending in the right direction defensively. It's not perfect. And I saw a tweet. I can't remember who tweeted this out, but it came across my timeline tonight there was a video in one of those instances where Brooke Lopez was switched on to Kevin Porter Jr. And the tweet was something along the lines of, 
this is what happens when you have two years of, of playing a rigid defense and then not experimenting. And now it just takes so long to, to not only sort of shake those habits and understand that you have to be switched on to the different types of things you're doing defensively. It, it just takes time and this is going to happen. And this has been a short uh, regular season. They haven't been able to practice as much as usual. So I'll absolutely concede that you would like it to be better right now. But as we pointed out the other day on, on Twitter, Mitchell, you tweeted it out. I mean, the Bucks are the sixth ranked defense in the league. And I've been saying it all year. Watch other games around the NBA and tell me you don't see the same shit. I mean, the Bucks are trending in the right direction. It's not perfect. It's not a complete disaster. Also, on that specific point where you were mentioning a, a clip where Kevin Porter Jr. is matched up against Brooke Lopez on a switch and ends up hitting a three in the possession, like, doesn't Chris Middleton do that to a big guy at least once a game? <laughs> That's because your move. <laughs> like that's it's one of the signature moves, right? Like you get you get a big guy on you, a guy where you have a clear speed advantage against, and the, the big is gonna give you a little bit more of a cushion because they want to be able to help contain the drive or at least you know funnel it somewhere. And, and so the 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 guy with the ball is just gonna shoot over him. Like that's a thing that happens, and we enjoy it when it happens for our guy, but apparently it's some sort of travesty because Brooke Lopez gets a shot go off over him when he's on the perimeter, which is not his forte by a dude that goes off for 50 because he was clearly in his zone against a team that wasn't interested in playing a ton of perimeter defense on him and let him get as hot as he got. Like, come on, let's, it's okay to be embarrassed by this loss. It's okay to have concerns about what the team is doing but we don't like I, I can tell you this much. I don't have the emotional bandwidth to fly off the handle any more than is absolutely necessary. I just don't have it. We've got what, ten games left until the playoffs, and they're probably gonna still be up and down going into it. That's just like at this point, this is just what it is. And I'm gonna start caring once the regular season is over. And that's just it. I saw enough of Kevin Porter Jr. tonight to know that he was probably hitting that shot over whoever was defending him. And if he was able to hit it over the seven-footer, then, yeah, I like his chances over any of the other guys. And, you know, again, I mean, I I always say this. Like, personally, watching this game tonight, I I could tell, you know, to me, I thought that I could tell very early that this was going to be an interesting night for the Bucs. Again, because you just get the telltale signs with the way that they were they were playing and the, the lackadaisical effort they seem to be showing throughout. So I, I got a sense that something pretty drastic could happen here. Um, again, if you go back and if you didn't listen to the podcast yesterday where I had Ben Golliver on from the Washington Post, I, I, I highly recommend it because he, he spoke about some of the challenges that not only teams have had this year with the consistency, but also the uncertainty of all teams and yeah, absolutely. The Bucks heading into the postseason here. I've been pretty strong all season long that I literally have no idea what this team is going to do in the postseason. I have no idea. Anything could happen, and I don't think any result would really surprise me from a first-round exit to a, to a championship, honestly. I, I don't know. We're about to find out. There's only 10 games left here, but I did joke on Twitter that Aaron Rodgers, minority owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, um, is the best minority owner in the business by throwing this new smokescreen out there today to deflect the fact that the Bucks were going to blow this game to the worst team in the NBA. So shout out to Aaron Rodgers and it's a power uh, move. I, Big I power move. 
Listen, uh, again, you talk about a news dump. The Bucks losing this game in the middle of the NFL draft is pretty smart stuff. But I, I don't want to bring up the Packers stuff too much. But all I do want to say, as someone that I'm not a Packers fan, so I, I, it, this doesn't affect me, but I know it does potentially affect you pretty seriously, Mitchell, and, and a whole host of our listeners here. So I don't want to dive into it. They're probably tired of, of hearing about it at this point. But I just want to say my thoughts are with you, Mitchell and Frank, and all the Packers fans out there, uh, I hope you can have a good weekend and, uh, and I hope you're doing okay. That's all. I just wanted to throw it out there. Uh, that's very kind of you to say. I appreciate it. Uh, this is the part where I mentioned that I gave up in the NFL like four years ago. <laughs> and even, although I did, before my time at Brew Hoop, I did run the SB Nation site for the Green Bay Packers, who happens to be run by, now by a good friend, Evan Western, who I went to high school with. He was in my mm-hmm. wedding party. Uh, and he is, he's having a very bad night. So my thoughts are with Evan tonight. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Well, a couple of things there. Speaking of weddings, first of all, it's my brother's wedding tomorrow. Um, so I'm not Ooh. going to be watching uh, this game against the Bulls. I'm definitely not going to be podcasting because I'll probably be drunk by the time that that game's finished. <laughs> uh, so I, again, if you feel like I've been a little too positive, I mean, you guys know what I'm like by now, but it's because, you know, I, I just, I, as soon as this podcast is done, I'm not thinking about this game for a second longer. It's done to me. I'm moving on. I'm looking ahead. And you also mentioned the Packers, which is a good segue because if you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, you can do so with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski, who also hosts Locked On Packers, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mitchell, I said to you when you jumped on the Zoom call, you're an absolute sucker for doing this podcast with me. But you know what? Once Frank bailed on me, I said, I got to get in early because, I, like I said, I had a feeling something crazy could happen in this game. Once you committed to me, you had no choice. But I really appreciate you still taking the time after this disaster. I am nothing if not a man of my word. And it's always a pleasure hanging out with you, Kane. All right, Bucks, Bulls, Friday night. Like I said, I won't be there for a post-game podcast for that one. But of course, we will be back for the start of your week on Monday. We'll wrap it all up. Anything of interest that happens over the weekend, we've always got you covered there. So for Mitchell and myself, have a great weekend. We'll catch you guys next week.